Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to The uh, Savage Nation. For 25 years, a Stalinist organization in America has tried to destroy my career and the careers of others who they consider to be their enemies. It is called Media Matters. Uh, They call themselves for America, but they're for Stalinist Russia. Today they hit a new low, which I will rebut. In trying to smear Trump, they published this headline. Trump ally, Michael Savage on coronavirus, send things from the Chinese virus market to rep a gazalandria cortex. I never said that. And I'm going to rebut that. They're trying to smear Trump and me and my lawyer is in touch with them, and they will find out they live in America, not in the Soviet Union. Media Matters tries to smear Michael Savage by uh, attacking me for something I didn't say. They slander me to try to get me thrown off the air, which they've done for 25 years, and cost me hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue over a quarter of a century. By the way, they've driven advertisers away from my show on the same kind of smears, And I will talk about that, but there are other topics I will talk about as well. Supremes have denied green cards to immigrants who use public benefits. I had a dream about that, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh, Public funds have made Bernie Sanders and his rotten family rich. You heard that one, didn't you, Mr. Socialist, lying, scum, vermin from New York? Bernie Sanders, the man of the people. Well, we have uh, a man who knows the truth about him, Peter Schweitzer president of the Government Accountability Institute, New York Times bestselling author, and he exposes the corruption of the Bernie Sanders family. Wait until you hear about it, how his wife and children benefited from him steering funds to them. You're not going to believe it, but I believe it because I grew up with this kind of crumpled suit communist. I know the type. Uh, let's see, more quid pro Joe. HHS secretary. And uh, NIH head says, nothing to worry about over the coronavirus. More lies. More lies from the government media complex. Fauci's been doing it for 25 years, in my opinion. The HHA secretary is another one of the government agents. I'll tell you why you should worry about the coronavirus, as I have been since we heard about it. All travel should be stopped both in and out of China, but of course that's not going to happen. Another topic today, do you believe Middle East peace can ever be achieved? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful today to see Netanyahu and President Trump in the White House. It was an inspiring moment for me to see that maybe there's just a glimmer of hope that the Jews and Arabs could sit down together and have a peaceful future for their children. I don't think it matters to uh, Schumer. I don't think it matters to Pelosi. I don't think it matters to uh, the rest of the pack of jackals. I think they would hope to God there's a Middle Eastern war so they can blame it on Trump but I can still continue to hope. We'll talk about these and other topics on the Savage Nation as the hours unfold. We have Peter Schweitzer in this hour at the bottom of the hour, but I want to go back to the smear by Media Matters. Headline, Trump ally Michael Savage on coronavirus send things from the Chinese virus market to rep Alexandria occasional cortex. Never said that. And I'll play the tape for you so you can judge for yourself. 
The line that I actually said was this, and I'll play it for you. Quote, so on the menu at Chinese Virus Market, there are rats, live wolf pups. Isn't that nice? Send that to Occasional Cortex the next time she bashes America. I never said give her the virus. I wouldn't do that. I said send her the list of wild animals that are being slaughtered by the Chinese. That was my whole point. I talked about not putting China on the pedestal of great civilizations. I pointed out the horrible things they do to animals there. In the paragraph that preceded this, I was talking about how liberals like occasional cortex praise these cultures and bash ours. And when you listen to the entire tape, you'll see what I was saying is not what this Stalinist organization, Media Matter, is saying I am saying. Context is very clear. They will hear from my lawyer. 25 years losing hundreds of millions of dollars is enough is enough. They've crossed the line. They will pay for it. Believe me, they will pay for it. I want to go back to a dream I had last night before I play that tape. I had a dream, a very vivid dream, that Trump was at a rally. I got his attention. I spoke with him, got him on the side, and I said, Mr. Trump, I had dinner with Mitt Romney many years ago in San Francisco at an Italian restaurant, which I did, by the way. I said, Mr. Trump, Mitt is a really nice man. However, when I brought up the issue of immigration, I said, that's going to be your Achilles heel unless you come out strongly against illegal immigration. I saw Romney became reticent to discuss it. And he said to me in the dream, well, that's one issue that's rather tricky. And I said to Mr. Romney, no, it's not so tricky. You're either for illegal immigration or you're against it. It's not tricky at all. Well, we know what happened after that. Romney went down in flames because he wouldn't take on the immigration issue the way Trump did. That is why Trump got elected. Let's never forget that. He said he would stop illegal immigration, mainly from Mexico, and also he would put a ban on Muslims coming in from terrorist countries. He tried to do that. And activists, socialists, internationalist judges overturned them on that because they want the country flooded with immigrants. So we turn to yesterday's decision by the Supreme Court supporting Trump's ban on green cards to immigrants who use public benefits. Immigration is what got Trump in office, and this is a huge victory for Donald Trump and for the rest of us. If he keeps working along these lines and continues to discuss the damage done to this country by illegal immigrants, he'll win again, this time by a landslide. Phone number here is 855-400-7282. I think what I need to do now is play the tape that Media Matters is using to try and smear me and Donald Trump. And you will see for yourself, I would never, ever suggest anyone be given a virus that could give them as little as a common cold. I never would, never have said that. But this is what communists do. This is what degenerates do. This is how Media Matters has operated since the beginning, twisting words out of context. Listen to it yourself. I just thought I'd throw that in on the, the seafood market where it began. It's sickening the things that they do to animals over there, what they do to bears and dogs. But please don't, don't put China up on some pedestal of great civilization. You know, I've read Chinese poetry going back a thousand years. I know how civilized their art can be. But the actual reality of the Chinese society is not quite as civil as the liberals would have you believe. I know they all bow in Chinese restaurants when they get a glass of water. I know that they put their hands together and bow uh, when they get a napkin. The Chinese look at them like they're insane because they aren't. Liberalism is a mental disorder. You ever see the libs behave in Chinese restaurants? Idiots. They put their hands together and bow if they get a glass of water. 
Oh, thank you. They're there as a customer. They thank the owner 50 times. Do you ever hear libs in a restaurant? Thank you, thank you, thank you. What do you mean, thank you? They're glad you're in there to buy the crap that they're selling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, on the menu at Chinese Virus Market, rats, live wolf pups. Isn't that nice? Send that to Occasional Cortex the next time she bashes America. You get the picture or not? You know, send it a list of the animals they're slaughtering, the innocent animals. I'm an animal rights activist. I have been for 25 years. Everybody knows that. But that's how communists work. That's how they destroy people's lives. But they picked on the wrong guy at the wrong time because I'm a fighter. I will fight them to the end on this. I know who they are. You know who funded them in 2010? George Soros. That's right. That's right. The peasant Avante of all smear artists. This is the phone number, 855-400-7282. They're trying to smear Trump, so they go after me. They're not going to win. They're not beating him, and they're not beating me. Uh, speaking of Trump, uh, they all want uh, Bolton to testify. They think he's going to be the silver bullet they've been looking for. My guess is he will testify. They will get him to testify. And I don't think Bolton is going to say what they claim is in his book. But I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. I'm the only one in the conservative media who's been on to Bolton for years. I told Trump not to hire him right from the beginning. I told you when I was at Mar-a-Lago right after the election that December, there was Bolton circling the outer perimeter of the uh, buffet. He wasn't even allowed near the buffet until the help had finished the pickings. And Trump and I were having ice cream. And he, he said, what do you think of John Bolton? I said, I would watch out for him. He got us into Iraq with false promises, fake news about um, weapons of mass destruction. I said, just watch out for him. Well, okay, for about a year he watched out for him. And then Hannity, in my opinion, pushed him on him. He trusts Sean Hannity in just intuitively. He just loves Sean Hannity. I don't. I don't. I don't like Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity is not only my competitor, but he's one of the dirtiest people I've ever engaged with in my entire life. He makes believe he's a great American, but great Americans don't do to people what he's been doing to me. You ever ask why I'm not on Fox News? They have everybody in the world on Fox News. I'm one of the fathers of the conservative movement. In fact, Salon Magazine, a liberal magazine, claimed that I was the father of Trumpomania. Why wouldn't they have me on Fox News? Because Hannity runs Fox News like a fiefdom, and he's afraid of me. And so why the president... Trust them, I understand. He has a huge audience. He needs him. But watch out for people that you need because they may disappoint you, Mr. President. The people you need are the ones that don't need anything from you. And by the way, there's a man in prison named Michael Cohen, an attorney. Remember his name? One of Donald Trump's lawyers. Did you know he was also the real estate lawyer for Sean Hannity? Now, I'm not implying anything, of course. But uh, Michael Cohen was Sean Hannity's real estate attorney. I thought that was very interesting. One thing you got to say about Hannity is he knows how to pick his lawyers. They shared a lawyer. That's a very interesting question unto itself. But then again, I'm getting off topic here. There are so many topics we can talk about. And I would open it up to the callers, 855-400-7282. People across the Middle East are, I guess, the young ones are ready to stop hating and killing each other. And I hope to God that this time the young people in the Middle East can realize they could have a future together, as Donald Trump so eloquently stated today. Listen to clip number three, and you'll hear why Donald Trump may be the greatest president in American history. Young people across the Middle East are ready for 
a more hopeful future. And governments throughout the region are realizing that terrorism and Islamic extremism are everyone's common enemy. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of meeting with both the Prime Minister of Israel and a man that's working very hard to become the Prime Minister of Israel <laughs> in the longest-running election of all time, <laughs> Benny Gantz of the Blue and White Party. And both leaders joined me to express their support for this effort, proving that the State of Israel looking for peace and that peace transcends politics by any measure unmeasurable that's what they want i gotta tell you this this is the first time a president has put forward a plan for a two-state solution do you know that do you realize how monumental this is you wouldn't know it listening to chuck schumer and uh, the other illegitimate who don't want you to see what actually is happening in america and the world under this great leader of ours he's actually proposing a two-state solution in the middle east i never thought this would happen a realistic two-state solution. You're not going to believe this. I have all the details here. If you care to comment on any of the topics, the Media Matters smear, uh, the Middle East peace plan, what you think about that, my dream about the immigration issue for Donald Trump, which is still his number one issue, he must not forget that issue. He must run on that issue all over again. He's got to hammer that issue to death. He's got to beat it to death. He can't forget it. He cannot let the rhinos in the Republican Party steer him away from the issue that got him elected. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Look, there's a lot for investors to be optimistic about these days. We've been riding the longest and best stock market run since World War II, right? The S&P, up over 400% since March 2009. But what about you? Have your accounts more than quadrupled in the past decade? Look, the truth is that most stock investors don't achieve the same performance as the overall market, leaving two-thirds of Americans still feeling like they'll have to work after retirement. So who's profiting from all these massive gains? Well, what would you do if you knew that the big banks and institutions tend not to follow the same advice they give you? And what if you could learn where they buy, sell, and make profit? Take the first step by signing up for a free introductory class with Online Trading Academy. You'll find out more about their patented investing strategy designed to help you trade with the skills and confidence of the pros. Visit otatrade.com slash savage. That's a lot of words, right? But you're going to get two free tickets to a class in your area, and you're going to get your professional insider's kit just by going to otatrade.com slash savage. Once again, that's otatrade.com slash savage and start knowing today knowing what the big guys know otatrade.com slash savage you know i'm doing the show i'm looking at the tv and there he is popeye schiff is there again i thought it was the day the republicans get a chance to rebut the lies about trump and i turned on the tv and there he is bug eye again with the bulging psycho eyes with the cheeks, with the stuffed cheeks, look like they were stuffed with turkey feathers. Why do I have to look at this low life? It looks like it crawled out of a sewer again. Can't they ever go away and shut up? No, I guess not. We'll just have to win at the ballot box. Now, you know, I tweet. I never did really. I was on since 09, but I paid no attention to Twitter until the president started tweeting. Then I criticized the tweeting. I said, it's for children. Then I said, you know what? If you can't beat them, join in. I started tweeting. 
I don't have a lot of followers, only 197,600, which is not insignificant, but it's not in the millions. But I'm not a movie star. I'm not a degenerate who shows her breasts. Uh, it's not bad, 197,600. And I tweet, and you see how many hearts you get in this and that. It's very interesting. Do you know that this tweet on immigration, Trump wins, Supremes deny green cards to immigrants who use public benefits, got 9.5 thousand hearts, which is one of the largest I've ever seen. And the number of impressions is on the highest level I've ever seen in years because people still care about immigration. Do you understand that? I'm trying. I'm going to get this message across to Trump. It's the one thing that could put him over the finish line, if anything can, is to double down on it, not back off because of the leftists and the, and the rhinos. Sage in Los Angeles, we have about a minute and a half. Go ahead, you're on the Savage Nation. Hi, Dr. Savage. Um, I'd like to comment on the Middle East peace plan. Uh, I come from a Lebanese Christian family, so a lot, of, a lot of Lebanese were killed by the PLO during the 70s and the 80s. Oh, I believe me, Lebanon was once the Paris of the Middle East until, the, yeah. until that happened. I'm, I'm fully aware of the civil war in Lebanon. One of the greatest countries on earth was decimated by them. Yeah, my family was heavily involved in the Philanders movement. Look, I have a soft spot for Israel, but I do want the Palestinians to have their share. I feel bad for it. That's right. Unless they do, there's never going to be peace. You can't keep three, three million people down for forever. Absolutely true. Yeah, you know, I feel bad for anyone who's hardworking and wants to support their family. Whether they're in When I went to Israel, the two times I went there, I was shocked to see Palestinians driving in from the West Bank in a Mercedes. I said, wait a minute. I thought they were on donkey carts. According to the media, they're all oppressed and they're on donkeys. I mean, there's a huge middle class of Palestinians who would love peace to prevail. And they've got to root out the terrorists amongst them who've lived uh, basically on war and blood. Exactly. And I don't disagree with you at all. I, I'm you know, and the Lebanese story is such a big story to be told another time. The Falangist movement, huge story. It once captivated the world's attention. It's been forgotten, unfortunately. And let's pray to God that what happened in Lebanon does not happen anywhere else on Earth and that peace does prevail. And that the Jews and Arabs can get together and follow Trump's peace plan for a two-state solution. By the way, with a tunnel going from the old Judea-Samaria region, which people call the West Bank, into Gaza. You know about this? It's astounding. Never saw anything like it. When I come back, Bernie Sanders' corrupt family with Peter Schweitzer. You won't believe this. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now, look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, 
old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. Now, you know that I detest Bernie Sanders of all of them. I mean, a Democrat I can live with. Bernie Sanders is the biggest phony in the history of, uh, of the Democrat uh, Party. Calls himself a this socialist, that he's an outright communist. But worse than that, he's a liar. He's just been jealous of Trump because Trump's a very wealthy man, better looking, taller, with a better wife and better shoes. His whole life, he's been jealous of people better than him, better looking than himself, who drive better cars. And so he always talks about uh, the common good. Bernie Sanders, but actually, according to a new book by Peter Schweitzer, public service has made him and his family very rich. The book is Profiles in Corruption, and I had Mr. Schweitzer on last Friday with his new book, and he joins us again on The Savage Nation to expose the lies of the phony Bernie Sanders. Line 10, Mr. Schweitzer, welcome back to The Savage Nation. Thanks for having me, Michael. Great to be back with you. Well, you know, we have a good chemistry. First of all, your books are good, but I um, I didn't realize you have the same publisher I do with for a Savage Life. That's the, they published me. But putting that aside, your expose in this book is a. I mean, I, I kind of sensed the guy was full of it, but you say that his wife was used basically as a conduit for big money. How did that work? What what they do there? Yeah, I mean, this is a pattern from Bernie Sanders going back to the day when he was mayor of Burlington, Vermont, when he put his then-girlfriend, later wife, Jane, on the payroll. The city council said, wait a minute, there's no job there. How, how, you can't just put somebody on the payroll. Bernie kind of shrugged it off, and that's been the pattern for 30 years. Uh, yes, that, that's the Bernie way. You know, when, when a, a CBS reporter confronted him the other day and said, you know, your proposal will cost how much money? It'll cost trillions. He says, I do not know, and it does not matter. His answer is it doesn't matter to everything. Yes. No, and, and this is the thing you have to realize. If you look at, at his history, I mean, we went and looked at this. is all, you know, documented material, no anonymous sources. We be, went back and looked at the publications in Vermont in the 1970s when Bernie was active there. And what you find is, you know, even his friends uh, basically say he was a grifter. Um, he, he, didn't, he would not take jobs. Uh, to get paid uh, menial jobs because he considered them moron work. They were they were beneath. Yeah, no, of course he was too good for it. Yeah, and so when he ran for the U.S. Senate on the Liberty Union Party, one of these fringe parties, he actually ran as a candidate and was collecting unemployment insurance at the <laughs> time. Oh my God! What a great hippie candidate he is. Yeah, and Michael, the other thing he had a, a history of doing when he ran for Congress is. Uh, he hired campaign employees. They were full-time employees, but he made them all contractors because he didn't want to pay uh, Social Security taxes on him. And he actually got dinged by the Vermont Secretary of State uh, for avoiding taxes, and the campaign had to pay the back taxes. I mean, this- in, your, in your book, you say Bernie Sanders' insurgent 2016 campaign 
brought in nearly $83 million, which flowed to a mysterious limited liability company with no website, no phone number, and no office space. Sanders LLC was registered to a private home on a cul-de-sac in suburban Virginia. The mysterious company is called Old Town Media LLC. The Sanders campaign purchased a whopping $82.7 million in political ads through Old Town Media, uh, which could have earned the company a media fee of more than $12 million. Where'd the money go? Who's Old Town Media? We don't know. That's a great question, Michael. I mean, this is one of the great scams in Washington, D.C., is this media buying thing. If you're a media buyer for a campaign, all we know is that $82.7 million went into that company. They're entitled to a fee, about $12 million. Who got that fee? We don't know. This LLC that had $82 million passed through it, um, as you said, it had no website, it had no address, it was registered as home. It was run by two women who were former colleagues and friends of Jane Sanders, Bernie's wife. Mm. Now, what's interesting about this, Michael, is Jane, Bernie's wife, had been the media buyer for Bernie's previous congressional campaigns and had walked away with, you know, maybe $150,000 for doing that. So they, well, that was a lot of money to a hippie couple. Exactly. And they knew. So, so we don't know. You, know. you know how many doobies you can buy with that on the way to the sandal shop? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Peter, in your book, in your book, this great book, Profiles in Corruption, tell, tell the audience today about... Uh, Jane, um, not Fonda, what's her name? Uh, uh, Jane, I think I'm joking. Jane Sanders. The wife of Sanders, Jane Sanders, when she was head of Burlington College, please tell that story, it's shocking. Yeah, so she gets appointed head of Burlington College. Uh, Members of that board of directors, this very liberal sort of uh, hippie college, say they picked her because uh, she was married to Bernie, and, and Bernie was a powerful guy that could help raise money. So she starts running this college campus, and what does she do in keeping with the Sanders family tradition? She actually diverts a half a million dollars from the college to a woodworking business that, that was not registered or accredited or anything that happened to be run by the Sanders' daughter. Uh, wait, wait, a woodworking business? A business? Woodworking business. It was a school. It was supposed to be a school to teach you woodworking, and Burlington College which was financially struggling and ended up collapsing out of financial weight. Half a million dollars from that. And, and this is a school with a budget of about $3 million. Half a so million. He, wait, so Bernie steered, his wife steered a half a million dollars of a failing college's budget to some quasi school of woodworking. Who, who actually enrolled in the woodworking school? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it wasn't very large. It wasn't very successful. Um, but, yeah, it was run by... We're going to make, like, corn-cob pipes? They're going to teach people how to save the economy? They were maybe, maybe those are the high-tech jobs Bernie has in mind for if he becomes president. We could all be making corn-cob pipes out of trees. Yeah, here's, here's, here's the other thing. We- <laughs> Come on. you got to laugh at this guy. He's such a scam artist, and he's a small-time, uh, uh, he's a small-time swindler, really. Yeah, no, it's, it's, look, he's always working the angles. I mean, the, one of the few ways that a senator can actually make outside income other than their salary, uh, they can't give speeches anymore, that's against the ethics rules, is by oh. writing books. So what Bernie does is Bernie writes books, and then he has his campaigns buy copies of the book. Oh, that's how the bestsellers are made. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. He has the campaigns buy copies of his books. Well, he's not alone in that. There are fake conservatives who've done that. They got caught. They, they have these. They have these foundations that buy him and all. They deny they do it, but they do it. So he's not alone in that. I have never done it. You've never done it. Now your book is profiles and corruption. It's number two on Amazon right now, right? 
That's exactly right. Right behind Kobe Bryant. Oh, poor Kobe. Terrible, terrible tragedy. Uh, you also talk about um, abuse of power by America's other progressive elite, including, including Elizabeth Warren's son-in-law. Tell us about that for a minute. Yeah, so uh, her daughter, Amelia Warren, is married to a gentleman named Sushil Tiagi, who is originally from India, obviously a very bright guy, uh, you know, got graduate degrees at Berkeley and elsewhere in engineering and in science. They, get, they met at Wharton Business School, um, and he set up a company called Tricolor Films, and Tricolor Films on its website, which has since been taken down, which described its business model as producing feature films with the funding and the cooperation of foreign governments. Very interesting. Very interesting. Wow. So that's Elizabeth Warren's daughter's husband. That's right. Son-in-law. In your book, you also talk about how Elizabeth Warren herself quietly begged millions from corporations uh, by leveraging her position as a government consultant despite her loudmouth stance against corporate America. Another, another, another hypocrite. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren's case, it's, uh, it's very interesting. She was hired by Congress paid by us, the taxpayers, in the mid-1990s to rewrite a portion of federal bankruptcy laws that dealt with mass torts that corporations might face. While she was still being paid as a consultant and after, she started taking on corporate clients. And we have affidavits that show that, that what she would pitch these companies is, I'm the one that actually wrote this law. So if you want to know how to get around it, how to work through it, how to use mm. it for your benefit... I'm the person to hire. She, she actually, her, her, she said that in writing? Yeah, in so many words, correct. She said, I, I'm the one that has the expertise. I know how the law works. I know what the limitations are. I know how uh, the law can be applied to corporations. And she was paid by the corporations to use the law for their benefit. So like Dow Chemical, which was being sued uh, for faulty breast implants, you remember, she was a big advisor consultant to them that helped, her, that helped them uh, avoid a lot of the liability. Oh, my God. Another. I know the louder they scream against millionaires and billionaires, the louder they scream against corporate America. You know, they're dirty. Uh, I want to go back to your book, which is so important because it's not just about Bernie Sanders. It's about the whole uh, liberal progressive elite and their hypocrisy and how they're cashing in. Please, if you don't mind, Mr. Schweitzer, let's go back to uh, what Jane Sanders did to Burlington College, how they busted it out. I mean, it sounds to me like if a low-grade mafioso took over a college, this is how they would, you know, if you watch The Sopranos when they took over a sporting goods store, they, you know, it's the same exact scam. They busted it out. It was known as busting out a store. They used the credit. They ran the credit up. What did they actually do to bust out that store? Let's cover this the minute we come back on The Savage Nation with Peter Schweitzer and his great book, Profiles in Corruption. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So the, the, the candidate who I most detest, or Democrats don't bother me really, but the one I most detest is Bernie Sanders because he's a phony through and through. You can tell by looking at him the type he is. I grew up with them. I fled New York in the 60s because of, of bums like that. That kind of bum never worked. That kind of bum slept on friends' couches. That kind of bum used to rip off your girlfriends if they could before you wring their neck and threw them out of a window. That kind of bum would rip off your dope, try to screw your girlfriend. He was the lowest of the, of the type. And they always espoused Che Guevara, Karl Marx, how unfair America was. It was fascist. Now this bum becomes 
a senator. Now this bum is running for the presidency. Now this bum is promising the world free stuff. And now the bum is exposed in a new book for the double-talking phony he really is. Rails about the common good, but public service has made him and his family very, very rich indeed. It reminds me of a saying about the missionaries in Hawaii. They went there to do good, and they did very well indeed. Joining us again is Peter Schweitzer with his new book, Profiles in Corruption, to tell us a little bit more about how they busted out Burlington College. Mr. Schweitzer, tell us about the Burlington College debacle, please. Yeah, so uh, Jane Sanders uh, gets appointed president of Burlington College. This is a college uh, that basically has 200 students. Uh, the tuition is, you know, in the early 2000s, is running $30,000 30, a year. Uh, and throughout Jane's tenure, um, very few people that attend this college actually graduate. The graduation rate from somebody starts as a freshman so the time to graduate is well below 50%. Um, and this college is having trouble. I mean, they're getting student loans monies. They're getting Pell Grants. So what, what Jane wants to do is expand the college. And she's going to expand the college by buying this beautiful lakefront property in Burlington. And she's going to renovate it so they can expand the school. And they want to bring in international students from China. They've got this exchange program with mm. Cuba. The exchange only goes one way, Michael. The Burlington College students go to Cuba no Cubans come back to Burlington College. But in- well, I'm surprised that the students came back to Burlington without being put into a slave labor camp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyway, so her plan is she's going to borrow money uh, in order to do this. She needs millions of dollars to get this done. So she applies for a bank loan. Um, and, of course, the bank is a bank that Bernie has banked with before. Uh, and she claims in the loan application that these donors have all pledged millions of dollars in pledges. Um, oh. Gives her the money. So the collateral is based upon a promise. It's, uh, it's upon a promise. Here's the problem, and, and I named the names in the book. Numerous people that she claimed had pledged a million dollars said, I absolutely never made a pledge to Burlington College. So they're complete <laughs> scam artists, him and, him and Jane. Yes, it you know, was. Peter, you're making you're making claims that are libelous if they were not true. They're obviously supportable, correct? Absolutely, and there's no all the sourcing in this book is based on legal documents, corporate records, financial records. There's no anonymous sources, no speculation. How do you do such research on all these people and catch them? I don't understand. But you know, the biggest story here is that this is a big story, and it's going to be buried by the vermin in the media. Yeah. Well, we look. We have twelve researchers. We spent eighteen months working on this book, 12 researchers. The Bernie uh, chapter alone uh, took uh, probably half a dozen researchers, six or seven months. That's amazing. So they bust out Burlington College. It's as though a low-grade mafia family moves in, takes over a college, gets uh, loans from the government, buys land on borrowed money based upon false uh, promises that people are investing, and then busts the whole thing out? The whole college goes under? Yes, exactly. And while this is going on, by the way, as we talked about earlier, while this is going on, half a million dollars from this small college is being sent to Jane Sanders' daughter's woodworking school. Oh, woodworking. I forgot about the corncob pipes. I forgot about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how did they get away with how, Look, the people of Vermont are not stupid. How did they get away with this? Well, look. I, Isn't there a state attorney general that would have looked into this? Well, the FBI looked into it. Um, oh, oh, but that was under Obama, right? 
Correct. That's exactly Ah, well, that answers everything. Any corruption that was on the left side of the aisle never got pursued. Uh, how does he get away with it during the campaign? You know, there's a lot of people on the Democrat side who fear him and don't want him to be the, the front runner, and they're trying to undermine him. I would think they would be some of your greatest uh, uh, allies here. Well, I think, I think that you, you might be right. I think the challenge is the book also covers many of the other people that are running for office, and they don't, they don't want to open this can of worms. Oh, so if we, if we start hearing about this and they quote your book, they'll read about Elizabeth Warren. That's right. That's exactly right. We're going to make a pact to ignore this stuff. But I think that, you know, look, it's going to become, uh, they're going to become very desperate as the campaign goes on. I think we're going to hear about these issues. These issues matter, Michael. As you, as you said earlier, I mean, corruption really matters to people because it talks about the heart of the person uh, that is seeking more power. And the question is... Well, the book is amazing, Peter. It's not just hyperbole. You just exposed what they actually have done how many researches you have. This is not the first time you've been noted for your great research. The book is uh, amazing. Uh, and I don't have too many books on. Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite by my guest, Peter Schweitzer. I recommend it to everyone listening to the show. Peter, again, good luck. I mean, this book is so important. I hope the Trump campaign gets a hold of it. I hope they do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Look, when I come back, all these topics from I Had a Dream do I have a scheme right here on the Savage Nation? The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. If I post a positive statement, you get a response. You post a negative statement, people like it more. 7.7 Mag Quake Caribbean, shaking felt in Miami, roads cracked in the Caymans. This is on the Drudge Report. Uh, MAGA turns on walrus, targets the walrus's credibility. Unbelievable stories. I, I don't know. I think that the, the walrus is going to testify. I'm sure he's got dirt, but I'm not so sure he's going to dish it. That, that's the whole point. He could. All of these people who get that level to that level, they all keep records. They all record. They're all snakes, basically. Uh, it's why I never went into politics. Trust me on that one. I never wanted to live in that kind of double double backstabbing life. Never. I can't imagine. You're smiling in the guy's face at a cocktail party meanwhile you're recording him, like those two Cretans from uh, Ukraine, the friend of Giuliani. They were recording the president while they were talking to him. Can you imagine the kind of world that he's in? I don't know how you even take a job like this, let alone survive it. So now we got a Caribbean quake. And Miami's feeling the shaking. Unbelievable. I better call people I know down there in Miami. Wow. Roads crack in the Caymans. That's a banking uh, uh, haven. In the last hour, we um, talked to uh, Peter Schweitzer about how um, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders ripped off lots of money. 
use their positions of power to make millions of dollars. And do you believe Middle East peace can ever be achieved? I, you know, that's the biggest story of the day. I watched the Middle East peace plan presented today by the president, where he called for a two-state solution to resolve the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It's the first time any president has actually talked about a two-state solution. This would have been unheard of. Could you imagine if a previous president ever said a two-state solution, what would have happened in this country amongst the hardcore Zionist uh, media complex? I mean, they would have gone crazy. But the Zionist media complex, I don't know, they're not saying anything about it. All of a sudden, they're willing to give up Judea Samaria, which is astounding to me. Now, the president has certain things to say that that are worth hearing. And I want you to listen to clip six about the two-state solution, please. My vision presents a win-win opportunity for both sides, a realistic two-state solution that resolves the risk of Palestinian statehood to Israel's security. Today, Israel has taken a giant step toward peace. Yesterday, Prime Minister Netanyahu informed me that he is willing to endorse the vision as the basis for direct negotiations. And I will say the general also endorsed and very strongly with the Palestinians, a historic breakthrough. Look, I'm not a kid. Do you ever think in your lifetime you're going to see the lion laying down with the lamb? And whichever way you want to look at it, the lion and the lamb, it doesn't matter whose side you're on. These people have been at each other's throats since biblical times. Do I actually think this will happen? No. When you have the Palestinians with training camps for young children, putting them in, in, in martyrs' costumes, teaching them such vile things as kill the Jews, kill the infidel, I will kill, I will kill on the way to Mecca. How is that child ever going to accept a two-state solution? That's number one. But putting aside the brainwashing that an entire generation of Palestinians have gone through, put that aside for a minute. What is realistic about a two-state solution? Well, it's a conundrum. There's almost no solution to this problem at all. You give the Palestinians a a, a nation of their own. What are they going to want? What's the first thing any nation on earth wants? They want a military force equal to their neighbors to defend themselves. Isn't that true? Isn't that logical? It's common sense. What's they going to want? They want airplanes. They're going to want tanks like Israel. They're not going to get them. So I can guarantee you that the the, the peace plan, as good as it may be, uh, is not going to contain the right for the Palestinians to have a military because they'll use the military immediately against Israel because they're they're committed to driving the Jews into the sea. So what is the answer? Well, sometimes there is no answer. See, we always want a definitive answer to problems. Don't you know in your own life that sometimes you live with conflict and you never resolve conflict, whether they're emotional or physical? Sometimes you have to live with it. I don't know this is ever going to work. It's wonderful that they're moving towards a possibility, but I'm not optimistic. Are you? Are you hopeful for a more a peaceful Middle East? Anyone listening to the show believe this could happen? In the first hour, I also exposed media matters trying to slander me by taking my words out of context. Everyone who's listened to this show for years knows that I'm a ardent animal rights activist. I give a lot of money and time to animal causes. And I was trying to make the point that the Chinese people who were held up as some kind of, you know, idealistic, wonderful, advanced culture are actually quite barbaric with regard to their live food markets. I mean, they slaughter everything they can get their hands on.
And so at the end of that piece, where I say uh, about the coronavirus, when I said what I said, I did not say give her the virus. I said send her the list of animals available at this market in China so she understands that the Chinese culture is not as civilized as she may, uh, you know, falsely believe it to be. The context is China is not the civilized nation the left would have you believe it is. They slaughter all of these innocent wild animals. Meanwhile, the rad libs in America, like occasional cortex, glorify China, glorify Cuba, and bash America. That was my point, and they knew it. If you care to comment on any of these topics or about the Sanders thing, uh, I'm open for business at 855-407-282. In the interim, let's go to a little more sound. The Hilda Beast says she may run again. And that's, of course, for one reason only. Hilda Beast comes in, it's only to stop Sanders because the entire Democrat Party are multimillionaires, billionaires. The very millionaires and billionaires that they claim they hate are a who they are, number one, and number two, who they wish to be. And so the last thing they want is a socialist like Sanders to come in and tax them to death. So they're going to block Sanders the way they did last time. As you well know, they're going to smear him to death, but that's not working. Apparently, there are a lot of losers in America who like Sanders. They identify with the old seltzer man's lies. So they're getting worried that he could be the front runner against Trump, and Trump will squash him like the old seltzer man he is. So what happens is Hillary says she feels the urge to run. Listen to this clip seven. You're not going to believe this. Here she comes again. I, I certainly feel the urge because I, I feel like the 2016 election was um, really an odd uh, an odd time and an odd outcome. And the more we learn, the more that seems to be the case. But I'm going to support the people who are running now and do everything I can to help elect uh, the Democratic nominee. As long as it's not, she didn't add uh, Bernie Sanders. I actually would say run Hillary, run. I would like to see her run. I think it would be a fabulous campaign if she ran. She, I think she'd go right to the top. And uh, Biden is not going to win. Biden, unfortunately, is corrupt. He has a lot of baggage in his background. He's also very, very forgetful to be very pleasant about it. Yeah, I don't bash the old. I'm not a young man myself. My memory's perfect. It's always been perfect. And the day it is, and I'll quit radio. The day I hear, I can't remember what I'm talking about, like Biden, and, and get the, the, the blank stare. I'll leave radio. I'm not going to sit here and fall apart in front of the audience. My mind is perfect, and it hasn't changed at all. But his mind is not perfect. It has changed greatly. He is not fit to run at any age. And now he's running way past his shelf life. You know, if that if Joe Biden was a package of cereal, it would have been thrown out a long time ago. They would have thrown they would have thrown it into a dumpster because the expiration date, you know, was something like uh, what nineteen seventy nine. No, really, probably nineteen ninety nine, maybe. But why are they running him? Because they have nobody else. There's not another candidate that could beat Trump. So when Hillary says she wants to run, okay. So if you want to comment on it, go ahead, make my day eight five five. Or you want me to just rant and get, and get out of breath here. I think the audience would like to see me gag and just keep going on and, and talking. You know, it is a talk show. You can call 855-407-282. I realize the reason many of you don't call is that you're intimidated or you like to hear me talk and you don't want to interrupt my flow. So let me interrupt my own flow by telling you something happened to me last night that I really didn't want to divulge, but it's bothering me. I went to dinner with a friend and he has a beautiful dog, big dog, 80-pound dog, and actually didn't take it in the restaurant. He left it in his car. 
So we had a lovely dinner. He's a very educated man. Had a lot to talk about. Good Chinese food. And uh, I ask him, where's his dog? He says, the dog's in the back of his SUV. So we go out. I'm a dog lover. And uh, he opens the hatch and the dog jumps down. And I lean down to hug him because I love, I mean, I love dogs. I have four of my own. And the dog is a big, big, dopey dog. And he licks me right in the mouth. I almost died. I am such a germaphobe. You have no idea. But the dog didn't just lick me on the face. I didn't have time to dodge. I would never let a dog lick me. Even when I was young, and didn't know any better. I never let a dog lick me, ever. I know what they do with their tongues. They're worse than liberals where a dog's tongue is. The tongue, the dog's tongue, darts right in between my lips. I almost died. This is after a good Chinese meal. Now, what are you going to do in that case? I go into like, are you kidding me? The dog is that fast that I lean down to hug it and it licks me right in the mouth, in between the lips. I go into a state of shock. I run back in the restaurant. I say, quick, give me a cup of hot tea. They don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I already left the $20 tip. And for them to give up another glass of tea for nothing, oh, forget about it. No matter what the tip is, if I asked for another napkin, they would have charged me, even though they know me for 20 years. And they may believe you know what I asked. I said, tea, just give me a cup of tea. So they give me a cup of tea and I gargle with it. And uh, that wasn't enough. Meanwhile, on the ride home, I'm in a panic. Every imaginable disease, which I know a lot about. Don't, don't fall for the lie that a dog's mouth is cleaner than humans. That's a myth, total myth. Just watch where a dog puts their mouth. And you know that's a lie. So meanwhile, I have to say goodbye. So I'm going to leave now. And I, I'm driving home. I'm good 15 minutes away from the restaurant. I'm trying not to swallow because I don't want the viruses in my throat. So I race home, didn't get a ticket. I come in the house, I take a bottle of vodka, and I'm not drinking hard liquor anymore at all. I don't put it near my lips. I'm only drinking white wine. My, my new health program is largely a plant-based diet with some white wine. And uh, I feel good. I really do feel good. Everyone says my skin looks great. I never knew my skin looked bad. A lot of women say your skin looks great. You know, women look at skin. You know, women look at men's skin. They like, almost like judge health. Because they raise babies, I found out. Women raise babies, and they look at the baby to see if the baby's sick. They're sharp. They can read like your skin. Did men know that? Men don't know that. The men who use mantan and stuff like that. The men the cover. I generally have had good skin. I, they said, your skin looks good. I said, when did it look bad? I come in the house. I swill the vodka. I'm talking blah, 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 spit in the sink. Vodka again. I smear it all over my lips and my mustache, my beard. And I'm like, oh, God, how much of that garbage from the dog's mouth went down my throat? And then I say the vodka's not a good enough shot. Now I go in the bathroom, I get H2O2 and 50-50 H2O2 and water, 50-50 H2O2 and, and H2O. And I do another little rinse goggle around the mouth and lips. Boom. Figured I hit another variety of bacteria viruses with that one. That's not good enough. Now I get out certain preparations and lotions that I keep in another closet for special times like this, sprays. You don't have any idea. I have my own little uh, pharmacy here. That's how I keep myself going. And I'm giving spritzes, and I'm spraying. And I'm, it's and all night long, I can't sleep. All I'm imagining is with the viruses and the bacteria and the protozoans crawling down my throat, getting into my system and killing me. You know what I'm saying? Now I wake up, and there's a slight itch. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not I got to tell you the truth. There's a slight itchiness underneath my lower lip. And I say, now, wait a minute. This is getting paranoia here. Is it a matter of 
the hydrogen peroxide burned me? Or is it the dog's tongue? Still, I don't have a definitive answer for you. So now I hit it with the, now I hit the heavy artillery today. The heavy artillery is I cut up some raw garlic, which saved me from food poisoning in Thailand where I almost died. And um, now I'm eating raw garlic because raw garlic is, as you well know, one of the greatest antibacterials. There are compounds in garlic that have not yet been identified by science that will kill organisms we don't even identify yet. Garlic. Now I'm hitting it with the garlic. Now I'm hitting it with more lotions and preparations and, and sprays. And now it's radio time. So I'm drinking a lot of uh, tea, a lot of black tea, talking with you, praying to God that the lick from the dog doesn't kill me. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. You know, radio is a phenomenal medium. It's actually the most fun medium in the world if you do it right. You know, I bring up all these heavyweight topics, green cards to immigrants knocked out, public funds that made Bernie Sanders and his family rich, Middle East peace plan. And then I tell you about a dog licking my, my mouth, and all the calls now are about the dog licking my mouth, which is I understand why. Because we need a little breather from this torture that we're going through, the torture that Pelosi put us through. So let's take some calls on this. Andy in Pennsylvania, Line 5, you're up on the Savage Nation. What's your topic? The, the dog, Michael, the dog kissing you. I, I think it's, it's funny. That's you know, the nature of dogs to do that. They just want to show you their love. I know, but not in the lips. I mean, if I hug a dog and but, it wants to show me it loves me, I turn, the head, I turn the head a little to the side. I let it lick like on my neck or something like that. Then I wash. But I never in my whole life had a dog that was that quick that its tongue dotted between my lips. Chinese food uh, from that kitchen into your mouth? <laughs> it was cleaner than the dog's, the dog's mouth. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, no, no, this Chinese restaurant has glass o- over the kitchen. No, no, this right Chinese has a kitchen you can look in while they're cooking. But I know with what's going on, you know, kitchens are dirty in restaurants in, in general. That's a given fact. I came from immigrant relatives. They would never eat in the restaurant. They, they dis, you know, they would, wouldn't trust. They would say weird things like, I'm going to eat that garbage. You want me to eat on the road? What do you think I'm going to eat that garbage? And they weren't, it's because they weren't poor. They just didn't trust restaurants. They weren't wrong. But I bet you eat in restaurants. Come on. Restaurants, but it, I, I'm not going to eat in a Chinese restaurant right now because who knows if there's something. Oh, yeah, but right. What do you think? Someone came over with the virus and is cooking in there? Better chance. I don't know. No, they're not going to fly right into the kitchen. 855-487-282. Back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. That was the worst thing. The guy came back with lipstick on his collar. To now it's he, him, hi, her, mim. I'm a, a fluid this, a fluid that. You don't know what anyone is anymore. How did it get so complicated? How come an animal doesn't have that confusion and we do? That, we're, superior, we're superior beings? How come I see geese flying in the sky? I see a boy goose and a girl goose. How come they know what a girl goose does and what a boy goose does? How do they know that? What, are they stupid? For millions of years, they fly around with their plaintive quacks in the sky. My heart runs out to them every time I hear geese flying over. I know something about the goose sound, the Canadian geese flying down. They're on a migration pattern now. They're coming back up from Mexico. I guess they were avoiding the uh, geese cartels. But they're, <laughs> they're on their way back. And, you know, when I hear them fly by, I look up in the sky, I hear that quack out of a goose. It just cuts through me, the, the struggles of an animal. 
But they know boy goose, girl goose. In the middle of it all, they, they, they have to eat. Then they have to mate and produce babies and protect the eggs. It's awesome what goes on in the world and how man steps in and destroys the natural order of things. Everything it has to hunt. If it flies, they have to shoot it out of the sky. If it swims, they have to put a net on it and rip it out of the sea. If it hides in the jungle, they have to shoot its eyes out and then sell it in a market, a live uh, market in China. You could eat a python's behind, the, you know, turn it into a soup. A rat's nostril is a nice soup over there. Once beaten rat's nose over rice. General Poo's doo-doo over uh, fried rice. But I love Chinese food. I've eaten it all my life. But the dog licking me is another story. So uh, you want to talk? You'd rather talk about that. I know that in the Middle East um, peace process, I had a dream about Mitt Romney and Donald Trump, which I told you about. The corruption doesn't matter. I, I understand why, because we had enough of the impeachment. And uh, we know the outcome already. No matter what Bolton says, well, there's going to be a lightning bolt from Bolton. That'll be stolen by tomorrow. I mean, the word Bolton and Bolt have to go together. What's the lightning bolt? You think he's going to get up there and say definitively, Donald Trump told me to do this. Donald Trump told me to do that. He's going to turn around in that audience, like in the Kefauver hearings in The Godfather, and take a look at someone in the audience, and he's going to dummy up just like Pantangelo did. <laughs> Remember that? Remember that scene, Jim? We played it a few times, the Pantangelo where he's ready to testify, and he looks around, and his brother comes in from Sicily, doesn't say a word to him, and he's sitting in the back of the audience, the brother, the tough brother, and he takes a look, and all of a sudden he dummies up, and they say, well, what is it about Michael Corleone, the head of the crime family, and the Frank Pantangelo character who's supposed to be the Bolton of the, of the hearing says, oh, Michael Corleone, yeah, 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 Michael Corleone, yeah, yeah, they told me what to say. The FBI, the guys from the FBI, they tell me what to say. Michael Corleone did this. Get up there and say Michael Corleone did that. And then you hear the banging of the gavel and the cameras go beautifully set by, by Coppola, genius. And then the whole hearing breaks up. And then he asks him why, because he looked at his brother. The brother gave him the death face. And that was the end of that. I love the part I like about that scene the most, by the way, is when they explain it a little bit in the context that the brother came in from Sicily and he flew home the same night, didn't even stay for a meal. He didn't even stay for a pasta, not even a piece of pizza. They put him on a plane right back because he'd rather stay in his village in Sicily. I'm really that kind of guy. I'm old world. I, what's the point of traveling? What's waiting for me, SARS? Or a SARS-like virus somewhere? A, a bed I can't sleep on? A bed bug? A 500-count sheet with bed bugs in, in, in the fabric? I don't want to travel. I don't like it. I've done too much of it in my life. There's nothing out there. Or a plane I need now. A great plane mate I need next to me. You meet the, the hoi polloi on the airplanes today, breathing in the same air. Look, I'm not knocking it. Everyone has to travel. But I remember when I was a youngster and I went to Europe for the first time on a troop ship converted to a student ship. I told you the story. I'm not going to bore you again. about. We were in the lowest class of the ship, four of us toward cabins, with three of us young guys and one guy like 85 from uh, Holland with piercing blue eyes, but he was blind. So we'd be partying all night, and we'd come in. He never said anything to us, the old guy. He just slept on his way back to Europe. And I was the kind of thoughtful kid. The other guys are partying. Sometimes I wanted to, like, talk philosophy. I liked older people. I always did. Today, they hate older people. They have no respect for the, for, for the wisdom of the older people. And as an older people myself, uh, they should understand that there's a certain wisdom that comes with age. Generally, there is. Not in the case of Bernie Sanders, but... Uh, or, or, or Biden, where's the wisdom? 
that they're running for office shows they're stupid. What are they running for? What are they? They're that greedy and ambitious. And that avariciousness indicates stupidity at that age. So I look at the old guy one day down in the cabin, the old Dutchman, and I ask him, you know, I was a kind of kid, thoughtful kid. I was 18. I don't know, 20, 19. And I say to him, so what's the meaning of life? And I figured he had some wisdom, you know, old wisdom. So he stares up at me from the bunk he was in. His eyes are piercing blue, but they're like clouded because he's blind. And he looks at me and he says, the meaning of life? The meaning of life? He says, well, I don't know. He says, uh, I guess you're born holding it and you die holding it. I mean, that was a pretty good joke. That to him was the meaning of life. But then again, I'm getting distracted. Let's take the calls, 855-400-7282. Rob in San Francisco, line eight. You're up on the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Hey there, Dr. Savage. I just wanted to call in real quickly and uh, uh, congratulate you on your foresight about John the Walrus Bolton when months or maybe even over a year ago, you said that Trump shouldn't even touch that guy with a 10-foot pole. I told it to the president, and he was overridden by those who advised him. And I know, who, I, know who, I know who foisted Bolton on him. I know exactly the neocon brigade. Some of them are in radio. Some are in television. Uh, some pretend to be great conservatives. Trust me, they're the neocons who got us into Iraq. Well, thank you for noticing that. And uh, when Bolton does testify, which I'm pretty sure he will, now that the cat's out of the bag, everybody wants him to testify. How can a Republican say no now? Because all they're going to say is, what are you hiding? You know, and so if they're in a, in a, in a, in a swing district, they're going to demand that, that he testify. But I don't think that he's going to dummy up. I think he's going to dummy up and say nothing. He's not going to say what everyone thinks he's going to say. He'll protect, he'll protect himself. Now, what's in his book? Who knows? Who knows if there's anything in the book? <clears throat> but it's defensible probably one way or the other. Because as I've said to you before, in my opinion, a president has not only a, a duty, but an obligation to do due diligence on foreign aid. I don't want to just sending $300 million to a corrupt nation. What, because they asked for it, they're supposed to get it? And by the way, how much of that money, that $400 million for allegedly for Javelin missiles, was going to flow back into the pockets of politicians on both sides of the aisle, mainly Democrats? You're telling me they, didn't, they don't get a piece of the action? I don't believe it for a minute. Just as a media buyer gets 10, 15%, I guarantee you, any fundraiser gets money, a piece of the action. So whoever was pushing the hardest for the money was going to get some kind of schmear job coming back. It's just the way it works. Now we go to New Jersey. Michael, line three, you're up on the Savage Nation. Hey, uh, hey Dr. Savage. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor, sir. I am at ground zero here at the rally, and uh, there were 10,000 people in line for almost Almost two days. Oh, yeah. Trump's rally in the cold, and they're out there, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, sir. It's, how did it, how did it get buried by the media? Oh, I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, it's nuts. 175,000 tickets, sir, were sold or given out, and, and we're going to turn this state red. Really? Now, tell me about New Jersey. How did it become communist all of a sudden? Well, it's North Jersey, and, and you got a, a lot of cities up there that are, you know, that are, that are taking, um, you know. Oh, 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 you don't have to say another word. I get it. I get it. The, the, the motor voter fraud. Exactly. South Jersey's very, very, very uh, Republican. Be- oh, so the jo- Jersey Shore is still Trump territory. Oh, Trump, we've signed, signs all over. Signs, flags everywhere, the marinas, etc. Uh, and what is the feeling there? Are you there right now? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the convention hall right now at the, at the Wildwood Convention Hall. He's, you know, waiting for him to come in. Oh, oh, he hasn't spoken yet today. Hasn't spoken yet. He's uh, due at 7 o'clock. 
Unbelievable. Well, I, you know, hey, I'm so glad you called me, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. That's a report live from New Jersey from one of my former listeners on WABC. Now they want someone who hasn't shaved yet. That's their opinion. They have the right to do it. They, you want someone who hasn't shaved? Why are you not? People, people who haven't shaved doesn't mean they're not smart. It's like you think all old people are smart? No, it doesn't matter. Some are good, some are bad. MAGA turns on Bolton targets credibility. I mean, all no one cares about the, the quake in the Caribbean. If you're not there, you don't care about it. That's the thing about the world. It's like you don't care about the virus now in China because you're not in China. You're a little afraid that it could come in. I was, of course, the first in the media because I'm a trained epidemiologist to say stop travel. No one listened to me. Now all of a sudden they're there. The Chinese are smart enough. Very smart race people. They put in a quarantine almost immediately. They didn't have to go check a book on whether they can quarantine anyone. They didn't have to consult with lobbyists. Smart people, that's all. What's this now? Uh, Apple Post record. They're making too much money. Do you know the value of Apple, what it is? How is this possible? How could a company be this? You say, well, it's free market. Is it a free market when you're a monopoly? I, is it? Isn't there supposed to be competition in American companies? That's what capitalism was built upon, was competition. That is how Teddy Roosevelt came to power and won. He ran on bust the trusts because they, 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 Standard Oil got too big. And so he went after Rockefeller. He made Rockefeller break up Standard Oil. But Rockefeller was smarter than Roosevelt. And he created like 100 Standard Oils or 50. It became from instead of Standard Oil, it was Standard Oil of California, Standard Oil of Illinois, Standard Oil of New Jersey, Standard Oil of Arizona. It was, he made 100 or 50 different Standard Oils. He made little Standard Oils. Smart guy. So it'll be like little apples instead of one apple tree. It'll be a whole forest of apple trees. You know, Apple this, Apple Prime, Apple Double Prime, iPhone sales. Everyone needs an iPhone. I don't know what I would do without one. I look back on my life. How did I live? How did I live without an iPhone? I'm addicted. I go to sleep now. It's next to my bed. It's turned off. I wake up in the middle of the night to check the time. I get up in the morning before I go to the bathroom. I see if there's a text message. How are we so addicted to this stuff? And I'm an older guy. I grew up without it. I don't know. How did I go as a camp? How did I camp in 10 Mile River in New Jersey as a Boy Scout without an iPhone? How did I go out on a date without texting a girl before going out on a date? I think I used a telephone. Or I remember sitting on the edge of my bed in my parents' house to make the private call. We had one phone down in the kitchen and one phone upstairs in their bedroom. So if I wanted to call a girl for a date, oh, my God, I would never do it in the kitchen. I didn't want the family listening in. So I go up to the bedroom, and I remember to this day shaking on the edge of the bed with fear. Girls don't know how frightening it is for a boy who's sensitive to call a girl because you're always afraid they're going to say no, and you don't have a fallback on it. Right, Jim? Did anyone else go through this? Man, you're probably brazen like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders never went through that. He was the brazen type. He was the brazen. He was like a Weinstein See, the thing about that is that Bernie is closer to Weinstein than you, than you may imagine. Pretends he's for the poor. He's got a new racket going. His racket is communism. And it sells if he just keep going. He went from being a schmuck who got you know, nowhere, became a mayor on the, the promised job. Then all of a sudden he's a senator. Now he's going to be a president in his mind just by promising to steal money from uh, the middle class and give it to the bums. And they like it. But the people on the bottom want to hear that. But the Democrats are panicking because they're all very rich. Number one, Obama comes out against Bernie Sanders. He, uh, terrified, because now Obama's, God knows how much he's worth. 
They did a $100 million book deal. Then they did a $100 million Netflix deal. Now they're a partner with Netflix. Oh, he wants to pay more taxes? Obama wants to pay his fair share? When did that happen? His worst nightmare is Bernie Sanders. So he's against them. The Clinton billionaires, they want Bernie Sanders to, to break up their, uh, their, their, <laughs> their monopoly? Are you joking? So they're against them. Elizabeth Warren, another wealthy corporate uh, type, she wants a communist. Are you joking? They don't want him. He doesn't even want it because he's made so much money peddling (laughs) peddling the story about how great it's going to be when he takes money from the middle class and gives it away to the poor and the immigrants. Yeah, well, so we'll see what happens. Bernie's too dangerous now for the establishment. Never make any. Hey, don't confuse yourselves for a minute. There still is an establishment. It's called a Democrat, Republican, or the Democans or Republicrats, as I've defined them since 1994. You know, it's like I've been in business since 1994 on the radio. The Democans, really, it's basically a seamless organization. Now, this impeachment's a little off, you know, for them. But, you know, there's a certain part of it almost looks like a charade to me because they know the outcome, and it looks like they're just doing it for, for effect to appease the mobs that are being uh, pushed by occasional Cortex and her hordes of illegitimate back in a minute. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. You are live with Michael Savage. Here's a wonderful story for you to uh, finish the show out with. Wuhan woman beats airport screening to dine at Michelin star restaurants. Listen to this story. A wealthy jet setter suffering from fever fled China's coronavirus hot zone to wine and dine herself in France, but was caught when she crowed about the escape online. Listen to this. The woman boasted that she successfully bolted from the quarantine city, Chinese city of Wuhan, by taking fever-reducing medicine to evade airport screenings for the virus, the BBC reported. So then she flies into fair. She writes on the social media site WeChat that she feared that she would miss out on her lavish trip, which included a jaunt to a Michelin star restaurant. Just before I left, she said I had a low fever and a cough. I was scared to death and rushed to eat fever-reducing medicine. I kept on checking my temperature. Luckily, I managed to get it down and my exit was smooth. Then she posts a picture of herself eating a mouth-watering meal at a top Leon restaurant. Isn't that nice? How many of them here in San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Miami, your city? How many? You wouldn't know because they're not listening to me. I said travel ban, and I said it over a week ago. That would have been the smart epidemiological thing to do. I told you about Edward Jenner. I told you about Jon Snow. I told you about the history of epidemiology. But don't listen to me. Listen to idiots who know nothing or politicians in business suits with stethoscopes. Go ahead. Do what you have to do. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 